Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess Romero is out. Keep him in your prayers. He's being operated on this morning for prostate issues, and he expects to be in full recovery in about 10 days. So I'd appreciate all your prayers. Paul Clay, thanks for sitting in again for Jess Romero today, brother. All right, Terry. Awesome. My pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, we're gonna yes, let's keep our brother in prayer. Absolutely. We're going to continue to understand Pope Francis in regards to moral theology. We're going to also get to, I hope, six points of division in the synodal process, which I think is so important. And I'm also going to just comment regarding Pope Francis's issue with the, the cancer thing, and I'll tell you all about that later. And I think we can get to all of the, the above. But before we get into the topics, I love taking the gospel, because what is the gospel? It's the good news. And Amen. that we can't beat anything on, that it's the top of the food chain. So, Paul, we have the gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 to 15. Could you read that gospel, please? Sure, Terry. <clears throat> and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Your thought, mm. Paul. Yeah, uh, Terry, um, let's start out with uh, give us today our daily bread. Now, of we all know that, you know, we're dependent upon God for everything and we should, you know, to, to, to meet our physical needs. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why, by the way, in the Corporal Works of Mercy, you know, the first thing we do is make sure that people have, you know, you know, what, you know, physical things that they need, right. food. Sure. But beyond that, God is also uh, very concerned on that deeper level about our spiritual life. And that daily bread, as every Catholic knows, is none other than Jesus Christ present in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, that is the bread that we long for. Jesus himself said he's the true bread from heaven. You know, forgive us our debts. Terry, to whom much is given, much is required. A healthy understanding of what God has done for us in the sending of his beloved son and subjecting him to the suffering he endured at the hands of sinful men for our forgiveness and redemption will result in us emulating him and extending the love of God and forgiveness to others. And then uh, when it lead us not into temptation, we know, according to James 1.13, God did not tempt us, does not tempt us to sin. If he did, it would be contrary to his holy nature. So in what sense do we plead with God not to lead us into temptation? Well, the word temptation can also refer to trials. We know from 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13, that God will not test us beyond our ability in Christ to bear it. 
and will always provide a way out. But God sometimes subjects us to trials. Why? Because he, you know, he is like a father. He tests us and, and, and you know, through the fire comes the purity of a, of, of a faith that's purified through fire. And the last thing I'll say, Terry, is uh, unforgiveness is a plague on this world. Blessed are the poor in spirit, it says in Matthew chapter 5. Recognition of how much we have actually sinned and how much we need and appreciate God's forgiveness will then allow us to be free to emulate Christ and to and to be that, uh, 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 you know, some people will never pick up a Bible and some people, uh, you'll be the Bible that they'll read. <laughs> Well said, Paul. I'm going to give yeah. a little story that articulates something that Christianity is really the only religion that does forgive people. And forgiveness is essential if we want to be forgiven. Yeah, tell us. Almost 50 years ago, I was 19 years old. My brother had a, a marketing company and an advertising firm and magazine company. He was, what, two years older, so he was 21. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had lots of guys working for him, had 50, 60 employees. And he ended up getting... Uh, brain cancer and he died Ooh. well oh. during the process uh, he was in the hospital he had to you know leave the business to his vice president unfortunately the vice president uh was a thief and he oh. stole about twenty thousand dollars from the coffers in the bank and that was money that was to be paying bills you know twenty thousand mm -hmm. doesn't sound like a lot but 48 years ago it was a lot of money <laughs> mm -hmm. And so not kidding. we were really upset because here's my brother dying of cancer and they closed the company down. Okay, everything just fell apart. So being 19 years old, I was really upset at that man because I knew him and I didn't think he would do something that evil. Well, a year later, I was down in uh, downtown L.A. feeding the poor. We had a, 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 once a week we'd go down and feed the poor down there. And who do I see? <laughs> the man that stole the $20,000 from my brother wow. later. And he saw me, and I, I, I put my hand out, and I said hello, and I won't say his name, but I said hello to him, and I hugged him. And you could see that he was confused. He didn't know what I was going to say, because he was an alcoholic is what the problem mm. was. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just started tearing up and crying. He couldn't hold back. Mm. And so I said, hey, you know what? God can forgive you. I can. I mean, <laughs> so, brother... Hey, I understand what you did, but, um, you know, um, I'm here to help you right now. You get a meal. So uh, God bless you. What that did for me, Paul, at age 19, is it mm -hmm. gave me an opportunity to experience that gospel. Of Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Terry, what a what a wonderful story. And, and just, again, I just, I want to applaud you for ah, just, God's grace. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I know it's all by his grace, Amen. but you know what, you, you need to cooperate with that grace. And yeah. because you did, yeah. you, you, you brought the gospel, this gospel alive yeah. in this man's life. And who knows where he's going to end up uh, because of it. We don't know, but all I can mm -hmm. say, any good that I do comes from God and I thank him for it. Praise God. That gospel came alive for me. Now, yes. Now, Paul, I want to bring in the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop Fulton <laughs> Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. And I'm making a big move with Sheen. He and Bishop Athanasius Snyder are having some conversations. And I decided that, hey, Bishop Snyder is like a Fulton Sheen in our own age. And Amen. I'm going to give Bishop Snyder uh, a summary of the conversation he had with Fulton Sheen about evil. And Sheen could really nail that topic. But we're talking about the evil of abortion. 
Check this out. We might go into the second segment, but here is what he says. Evil and wickedness have an inherent tendency to radicalization. If evil is not restrained, if it's not held in check, if it's not hindered but instead tolerated, like it is right now in our country, are supported, then it reaches an extreme and increasingly more terrifying form. Evil seeks to propagate itself. That's what we're experiencing right now, uh, my friend. Yes. Let's not forget, Bishop Schneider says, that ultimately we are dealing with a personal evil with Satan. Evil wants to conquer the entire created world to completely negate and reject, to wrench it out of God's hands. Think about that, folks. We don't talk enough about what evil's all about. In this sense, it tends towards some perverted form of infinity or eternity, and ultimately towards the reign of hell. And this is Bishop Schneider teaching right from the Catechism. Satan is a personal being with an intelligence incomparable, he higher than human intelligence. He himself has chosen evil with all Mm. its consequences. To a certain extent, evil has eternity and infinity in itself. That is why it makes it radical. It seeks to transcend all boundaries, all the way to the end, down to the very bottom. It seeks to immortalize, immortalize itself to make itself eternal. Check this out. He says, hell is immortalizing evil. It mm. is eternal. Now, when we come back from this break, I'm going to continue. It's just a little bit more, but he says, we can see this dynamic evil using examples of alcoholism. Beginning seems innocent, but people start drinking a little, a little, and then without boundaries, they drink more and more, and with increased frequency, and then years later, they hit rock bottom. This is how evil works. Thank you, Bishop Snyder. That is exactly how evil works. That's why we are so concerned about not compromising on anything. It strives to take control of man completely to the point of his ultimate destruction. This is precisely what happens to alcoholics. If they are not stopped, they bring about their own physical and mental destruction. It quickly becomes apparent that one shot of vodka is not enough. It has been a whole bottle, and then two bottles. They drink more and more until they literally drink themselves to death. I know mm. one dramatic case I'm going to tell at the end of the, when we come back from the break. This case is amazing, but it's still teaching how the devil and evil are creeping into our culture, and if we don't nip it in the bud, it will get us. And that's why here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we never want to compromise. We want to have a world biblical view Yes. salvation. Hey, you're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Paul Clay filling in for Jess Romero. We got Bishop Snyder's book called The Springtime That Never Came. He's going to be on the 30th of June interviewed with me, but we're taking snippets from it now. Stay with us, family. You won't want to miss it. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Paul Clay filling in for Jess Romero. Terry Barber here. I'm reading from 
Bishop Snyder's latest book, The Springtime That Never Came. It's a catechesis. It's a teaching on evil. And I don't think we get enough of that in our church. And so I wanted to finish this paragraph here of Bishop Snyder regarding evil. He says, I know one dramatic case of a man who emptied his entire house and sold everything he had to buy alcohol. I've heard of that. That is the logic of evil. It's the same with abortion. First it was legalized, then demonstrated that a person is allowed to kill a child. This permission mm. set in motion a dynamic, a process that will kill, that will be willing to kill increases. Why only during the first 12 weeks, perhaps, we could be allowed to kill until the fourth month. Yes, that's fine. Then until the fifth mm. month. Now in the United States... It has reached a point that you can kill a baby up to the ninth month. And it's been taken wow. even further. You can kill a baby during labor. You can cut off its head. Oh, this is, this is evil. This is so incredibly mm-hmm. brutal and barbaric, and yet it's happening. You see exactly this logic of how evil operates, Paul. This is, what he, this is the cash value right here. You can see the true passion of evil. You can see the hatred of life. And you can yes. see one more thing, a desire to prove that man is the real master of life. He nailed it there. Man can oh, control yeah. life, can, can decide about it without any restrictions. In this way, we have suddenly found ourselves under the rule of a homicidical dictatorship. Maniac. Check this out. He says, both Hitler and Stalin found mass murder of people enjoyable. This yes. is exactly the direction taken by those people who want to make something enjoyable out of killing of babies who want to brag about it and show pride in it it's evil. yeah your thoughts it is wow that, that that's is that that good teaching nails on it? yep i hear you it, yeah that nails it terry i'm reminded something that kind of goes along with it okay. uh, on the topic but uh it was a quote by saint basil the great and he says in contrast to the road of heaven uh, in contrast the road of heaven is filled with crosses but jesus says uh, oh, yeah. let me let me rephrase Phrase, this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell can't be made attractive, so the devil makes attractive the road that leads there. Amen. <laughs> oh, that's well said. You know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no way hell can be made to look attractive. Nope. But so what the devil does is, like you talked about the alcoholic. Oh yeah, it may be it may sound attractive to get a little buzz going on to have that first drink or whatever. Yeah. But in the end. It's one step closer to our demise because the devil is a destroyer and he's a homicidal maniac. Yep. And and we are in his crosshairs. So, yeah, Terry, this All is right. just, uh, yeah. You, you got it. I just think it's so important that Bishop Snyder, he'll be here, Paul, on the 30th of June. Great man. Yeah. Great man. We're, we're working on getting him once a month here at Virgin Most Powerful. I really, truly believe that he is the most outstanding loyal bishop in the Catholic Church. And I've had both Bishop Strickland and Bishop Snyder together on a show. And if people want to just search for that, boy, I'll tell you, having two of those guys together, they were on the same yeah. page, man. It was beautiful. Paul? Yeah, you know, and Terry, I can see when I when I look at uh, Bishop Schneider, yeah. Uh, God seems to have a hedge of protection around him because he, he uh, you know, he's, he, he's uh, lined with Tetlon there. You know, oh, I don't, yeah. you know, yeah, he's, he, you know, and that, and that comes, listen, the Lord is a rewarder for him that doeth right. Okay. He's, if he's going to be the voice right now for God to speak the truth, 
God's going to have his back. You got Put that hedge of protection around him. Well said. Paul, I want to shift gears. And again, people can go to the National Catholic Register. It's owned by EWTN. Good source. Mm-hmm. This article called Six Points of Division in the Sedonal Process. And I like it's a commentary, but I happen to agree because when you look at this process, it's been used for many, many years from other churches. But the results have been disastrous, and I'm going to demonstrate this. As he said, what if walking together results in walking apart? Well, (laughs) this is what I want to address. But I also want to just say that when I talk about Pope Francis and the issues that he brings up that are not consistent with the Catholic Church teachings, it's not that I want to do this. It's not. I want Mm -hmm. him to be the... um, Father, that God has ordained the vigor of Christ to be, to teach, to govern, and to sanctify. Yes. That's his Amen. role. And when he, yes. when he deviates from that role and undermines certain aspects of the faith, well, then I'm doing him a favor. I really am. By saying, Holy Father, how is this confirming me and my faith? It's not. Please, you, we expect more out of you. So one of the things that I have a concern with is... The issue of uh, solidarity that uh, you can look at uh, the Holy Father making his comment, thanking uh, the the Anglican Church uh, on May 13th. He thanked them uh, regarding all this synodal process. But in the same address, he spoke of this Anglican contribution to the synodal process. He says, as you know, the Catholic Church has inaugurated a synodal process for this common journey to be truly such a contribution of the Anglican community cannot be lacking. Pope Francis said, we look up to you as a valued traveler and companion. Now, let me just say what the, there's called this Lamberth Conference. Every 10 years, the Anglicans come together and have a popularity vote. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. And mm-hmm. you can see that their doctrines change as the weather blows in, as the wind blows. And this is what has been devastating to the Anglican Church. If you look at the Anglicans that came into the Catholic Church for the, uh, in 2008 with Benedict, all of them came in because they were looking for... Uh, yes, stability. Stabi- <laughs> yeah, stability. And they saw that their church was ordaining women, was mm. changing views on heaven and hell, and they're yes. like, wait a minute, I want something eternal. So that's one example of that process being horribly used. Now, the Russian Orthodoxy uh, imploded most the most ancient and venerable Sedano process and structure of the ecclesial governance are in the Eastern churches. I didn't know all this, that this has been done hundreds of years ago, this kind of, you know, v- uh, getting everybody together and voting on things. You know, I've yeah. I, I seen this. Now, uh, with more than 50% of all Orthodox believers, it is an advanced state of implosion. Russia's war against Ukraine, supported by Moscow's patriarch and the Russian Orthodox Church. See, it induces the government senate of Ukrainian church and the Moscow patriarch to declare its full independence. So that's just breaking apart the church. Sedano structures prove inadequate to meet the change, the challenges of what the church needs. And I think that, Paul, I want to get your take on it because you've experienced being in a Protestant church where... Things change uh, radically. I know my uh, many of my Protestant friends would go to another denomination because they didn't like mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. It was almost, very common. Well, tell us about that. 
Yeah, it's just very, very, you know, Terry, there's a lot here to unpack. But one thing I can tell you is that um, you have to remember something. No. And, 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 and it may sound unloving when I say it, but it's not unloving. It's just the truth. Um, Protestantism and other variations of Christianity, like, uh, let's say, the, you know, the Orthodox Church, sure. they don't represent um uh, you know, they, they, they represent more of a weakness in the church. In other words, you know, they came about because of weakness. Right. And so, 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 so as well-meaning as some may be, and, and, I, and I'm not doubting anybody's sincerity, it's possible to be sincere about things and to be sincerely wrong. And this is what what we see. So we don't look to the Anglican church and, and applaud their contributions that, you know, that's almost like saying, I hate to say it, but you know, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, people, uh, you know, who are in homosexual relationships have something good to offer the church. You know, there's nothing good, uh, that can come out of that. And uh, unless it's repentance, the, you know, the, the, the goodness to offer would be to acknowledge the fact that you are living contrary to God's holy word and to fall on your face. And like the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins. That's the only good that can come out of that. And that's the only thing we should be quoting. So, uh, you know, we talked about in, in the Protestant church, in my experience, I mean, it's 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 so common because there are so many different variations of Protestantism and everybody has uh, their viewpoint and everybody says, well, the Lord told me this or the Lord led me to this. Well, God is not the author of confusion because there's too many voices saying too many different things. And so um, it's important, uh, uh, you know, when you said it's not an un it may sound unloving, like you're trying to be unloving toward uh, the Holy Father. But no, sacred scripture says love corrects. And it's not like you're casting judgment. And we had a conversation yesterday, you and I, yeah. and, and, and I said, you know, we're not saying that, uh, you know, I'm sure that the Holy Father, you know, feels convicted to his heart mm -hmm. about certain things. Sure. And he's not, uh, you know, intentionally, you know, uh, making himself out to be in opposition to the church. He really believes what he believes. Yep. Now, again, it's possible to really believe what you believe and to believe wrongly. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with your formation. A lot of that has to do with, you know, the, the theological lenses that you put on. So, like, example, if you're interpreting scripture and your hermeneutical uh, um, ideas are, are off, well, then your conclusions are going to be off. And it's, it, so it's all connected together. And not, again, I'm not an expert on theology, but I, but I, like you say, you know, we have a good dose of common sense here. And it always it always uh, uh, bodes well for us if we just stick to the tradition of the church because Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would guide 
the church in, 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 in the truth. And so if we believe Jesus, we have to believe that that is true. And I'm not talking about individuals that may vary because we have, you know, the only thing we're saying is we're, we're taking, you know, uh, what is being said and what is being proposed and we're measuring it up against what the sacred tradition and we're saying, hey, it's not consistent. Yeah, Paul, well said. And like an example is the Amazon Senate in 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, after much consultation, deliberation, the Senate fathers called, you know, for married priests and the possibility of women deacons. Pope Francis shot both proposals down. Thanks be to God. But Amen. the point of it is, is everybody has their opinion. And what happens is if your opinion is not rooted in Scripture and the traditions of the church, it's not going to work. Look at Germany yep. right now. There's a crisis in Germany. Hey, when we come back, we'll talk about that German crisis and much more on the Terry and Jesse show. As Paul says, we have PhD, uh, we have PhDs in common sense. And folks, common sense ain't that common. We're here at the Virgin Most Powerful Show, the Terry and Jesse show. Stay with the family. We'll come right back with more. We inspire you to fall deep in love with Jesus. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back is right. Hey, we're talking about uh, all of this information on the synodal process, showing that it's really a bad idea. I mean, it's just demonstrated through history when I researched it. And um, I wanted to give some good news, though, because it sounds like we're getting a lot of bad news. Uh, the Vatican releases suggestions for lengthier marriage preparation. They want Catholics, when they go to seek to get married, that they spend a year studying that great sacrament of marriage. So yes. that when they get married, they know what they're doing. And I think that's a great idea because I've seen over the years so many people getting married and not realizing the sacredness of that sacrament. Yes. Oh, so there you go. That's some good news. Also, I just wanted to bring up um, the German situation, just again that they're embattled. And I mean, the German church is this close to breaking away from the Catholic Church. And I was glad at least Pope Francis met with Bishop uh, Bazin. Uh, he said to the president of the bishops' conference there, we don't need another evangelical church in Germany. Now, I wanted just to say that both the Catholic Church and the Evangelical Churches, there's like 20 of them, they're all losing membership for the last 30 or 40 years. Yes. And why are they losing it? They keep trying to compromise and say, oh, you want women's ordination? Oh, you want this? You want that? We'll give you what you want. But you know, Paul, even on the natural level, what happens to a family where the father gives the kids everything they want? They get spoiled, and it still doesn't work for them. And it ruins their lives being spoiled. Yes, sir. So I'm going to make the suggestion, you know, that this uh, problem in Germany, you know, with regard to Sedano Path, is an example of what could happen in the Catholic Church worldwide. And I'm going to suggest that we need to stop it. As a as a layman here, I'm not in management; I'm in sales. But it, that it's destroying the Catholic Church like it destroyed other churches, and we don't need to fall from that. So that's my take about the German church. What is yours, Paul? Well, t- 
Terry, the one thing I noticed about the Catholic Church is I'm sure many in the audience know sure. that I took that I took a detour out of the church for a long time. Uh, but the one thing that I notice about the Catholic Church, as I and I like to say that I studied my way back to the Catholic Church, and when I tell people what I believe today, I'm a Catholic by conviction. Amen. Okay. Way to be. Yeah, and so everything that the church does. Example, the fact that we don't ordain women. There's a reason for it. It's not just that we're being unreasonable or we're behind in the times or our thinking, the church's thinking is antiquated and we need to get up with the times because, you know, the world is on their own clock and they're the ones that, you know, uh, you know, you know, these ideas about, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, women's lib and so forth. And, you know, that, you know, that's, that's what the world is doing, but the church doesn't, uh, doesn't operate on the world's clock. The church operates according to the word of God. And the theology in the church is so deep when it comes to things like that, or celibacy, when it comes to our priests, sure. you know, it's easy from the outside when you don't understand these things to sit there and make a judgment and say, well, why, 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 why shouldn't priests get married? Right. You know, Hey, get married uh and maybe if that happened you know there would be a lot less scandals going on in the church no it, the one has nothing to do with the other but when you read and and understand the theology of the catholic church right. and the position of the priest uh, you understand why the catholic church does what it does and it's very beautiful and it and it's it's it, like you said it's a, it's a life that's all for christ and not, you know, it's 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 the literally, you know, the denying of yourself, as the Bible says, if any man wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Well, the Catholic Church and its theology does that par excellence. If the problem is, is us, we who are sinful, the problem isn't the church, it's the people in the church. And that's why we have to constantly uh course correct and and stay true to the uh, the teachings of the church amen paul well said and that's what we're doing the perennial teachings of the church paul i wanted to shift gears for another minute and again i hope everybody's praying their rosary and we pray it in our father yes. hail mary and the glory be for the holy father tonight is thursday night uh if you're going to make a holy hour tonight that's what we do at the opus angelorum spirituality before the blessed sacrament from seven to nine mm -hmm. we pray for priests bishops and the holy father and that's our spirituality why because on holy thursday that was the institution of the priesthood and yes. the holy eucharist so maybe you can't join us here at the sacred heart chapel but you can do it at your home or even at your church if your doors are open because again when i make these comments about the holy father I'm making them out of lovingly asking him to stand for Christ in a more deeper way. For example, while Pope Francis calls obscenity names the singers poetic during a papal audience. Now, I'm not going to say the word because it's vulgar, but it starts with an F. And they put it on their shirts, these singers, and then put F cancer. When what happened is they were from a distance, and I can see that maybe the Holy Father didn't see these people, but then they came up to the Holy Father within a couple, four or five feet, and he could see that, 
And what does the Holy Father comment? Oh, it's a very poetic uh, way of saying it. Well, I expect more out of the Holy Father, Paul. I really do. If yeah. he's my, my model as the vigor of Christ, then I should be able to look up to him and see that he's leading me towards Christ, not towards the world. Paul, I want your take, but I'm going to just say it as simple as I can. I'm a father of kids, and when they were growing up, if you used a foul language like that, you would be punished, that you should have been. And they didn't. I didn't have to correct it because they never heard me talk like that. Mm-hmm. And, and the bottom line is, my comment to the Holy Father is, please give us better example of your love for Christ. Because I look at this as compromising and just letting them go along with vulgar language and not calling them to a higher calling. That's my take. How about you, Paul? Yeah, Terry, uh, you remember the days when they would say, hey, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Of course, of course, (laughs) I remember those days. Now, the balance here is, okay, we understand that uh, the Holy Father comes in contact with a lot of people who may not even share the same faith that we share. Right. But at the same time, we, we, we're guided by sacred scripture and we understand the sacred scripture tells us, let no unwholesome word come from your mouth. So when you, you know, even when you hear that word F, I, nothing good comes to nothing. mind. We, Terry, we, we live in a world where we're inundated with pornography exactly. and just human trafficking. And so when you hear that word F, all kinds of bad things come to your mind. And so... Yeah, I, I just wish it would have been a teaching moment or not even necessarily to address, you know, because understanding that, yeah, okay, they're obviously um, uh, weak in their faith if they have faith at all. Uh, and, and, I, and I'm basing that on the fact that, you know, um, again, it's, it's just, uh, it's a vulgarity that, uh, you know, that we should all avoid. The Bible says that we need to avoid all appearances of sin. Yep. I mean, just, th- these are just things that you just pick up and that uh, you wish things could be different, but yep. apparently, well, apparently not. Very good. And I think that's enough been said on that. Paul, I wanted to mention, and I, le- I want to understand where Pope Francis is coming from, because, like you said, we presume he is really wanting people to come to know Christ because of his comments. But there's another Register article. The Register did a bang-up job on evaluating some of the things Francis is doing. But Pope Francis cited opposition to Vatican II when he issued the motu proprio, the, you know, the document that stopped the Trinitine Mass from being celebrated. But, again... Uh, many parishes are still doing it, and they're saying that it's it's not the case. But in an interview of with Jesuit magazine journals, he criticized what he called the restoration in the church, which he defined as a failure to accept Vatican II, the ecumenical council from 62 to 65. He said this restoration has come to gag the council. The number of groups... Of these restorers, for example, in the United States, are many. I don't even consider myself that. I consider myself, well, the real Vatican II, please stand up. But Holy Father, I read Vatican II, and I don't see Vatican II being implemented. For example, Paul, in the yep. liturgy, Holy Father, 
The documents say the Pope, the priest turns around and says, the Lord be with you. That's indicating that he's ad orientum, that he's not facing the people. Now, if we were to really implement Vatican II, why in the heck are we still facing the people for the priests? That's not Vatican II. And so I would say to the Holy Father that, excuse me, that this uh, Vatican II has never been implemented properly. And I know that there will be traditionalists who say, oh, come on, you're crazy. Well, read the documents. It seems that there's picking and choosing in Vatican II, and uh, the Holy Father is upset that we want reverent liturgies. We want lace. We want uh, sacredness at the liturgy. I'm sorry. I've already been around 50 years now watching the spirit of Vatican II tear apart the church. It was Scott Hahn back in 93 when he quoted Christianity Today and saying that a quarter of a billion Catholics left the Catholic Church after the council because they weren't being fed. So I am of the opinion, and this is just me, dear Holy Father, that when you tell us that we don't accept Vatican II, I would ask, are you accepting Vatican II and its documents? I mean it, mm. and I can demonstrate a number of things you've done that aren't consistent with Vatican II. Holy Father, we're praying tonight for you because we want to see you lead the church and lead the church for you bring us to the fullness of the gospel at Jesus Christ. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I hope you don't feel like I'm hitting Pope Francis too hard. What I'm really hitting him on is the perennial teachings of the church. And this is an article where it says there are many of us who don't accept Vatican II, and that's what he's main going after and some of the traditional religious orders he's changing canon law to make sure that that uh, what vatican ii said that the local bishop could have authority to start institutions he's pulling back and saying no only i can it just seems inconsistent with what he's been saying and what he's doing so i would just call him out on that that's all and then the other thing that i will say paul and i'll turn it back to you is i I see the liturgy of 50 years going up and down the country where there's craziness going on at the new mass. And I don't see anybody in the Vatican or bishops saying, look, we got to knock that off. I mean, I saw a guy with a a big balloon, a big um, water, no, a bubble machine layman preaching at the homily in Chicago. I saw that. And uh, yeah, that's 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 sacrilegious. And so I want to ask Holy Father, can we go after those things? Can we go yeah. after the guy that wore his gym shorts when I was young, yeah. uh, when I was a teenager, he, he, a, a retreat I was at, and I saw the priest with nothing more than gym shorts and a stole around his neck, and he's saying mass that way? Yeah. Why, why don't we correct these abuses that are liturgical abuses and not worry about traditional Catholicism yes. as being uh, you know, the, the, uh, the obstacle in coming to Christ? That's my take. Your thoughts, Paul? Well, well Terry— all you got to do is attend a Latin mass. Oh, yeah. 
and you're going to feel like you've been uh, you're a part of heaven. Of course, of course. <laughs> you know, uh, the whole thing is 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 just filled with beauty and reverence. Uh, uh, you made a great point. You know, there are so many sacrilegious things going on, and you don't hear one iota of a critique or criticism by the majority of the. Uh, the bishops out there today, uh, but you will see uh, people come down strong on traditional Catholics who we know uh, the Latin Mass is the Mass of the ages. Right. You know, uh, many saints have cut their teeth on that Mass and to somehow send a confusing message like we can no longer do this. And I think Terry, you talked to me yesterday, changing the subject, and oh, I didn't wait. hear I didn't hear uh, yesterday's broadcast. But yeah. you talked about the theory of proportionalism. Yeah, I did. We covered that. Right, go ahead. Yeah. Now I'm asking, do you uh, would you say that these ideas uh, have you know an influence on how people look at Vatican II and and come to their conclusions? You think does that have anything to do with that? I would say absolutely yes, and I'll tell you why. Because, like for example, these same people that the Holy Father is saying that are good people in the Church are dissenting mm -hmm. from the moral teachings on Hermana Vitae back in the '60s when that came yes. out. And so, what they do is they have this idea. They say there's an ideal. Now that's condemned by his predecessor, John Paul II, in theology called the Splendor of the truth, veritatis mm -hmm. splendor. And so he's, he's, these people now, and including the Pope, they're looking at situations and saying, oh, you know, don't worry about it, Morris Letitia. You know, you, you're married for 30 years, but you find another younger woman to, to go and have a relationship. Hey, you were under stress because, you know, you worked at such and such a company, and they were hitting you hard. So you've given us all, a pass. You're given all mm -hmm. these excuses, okay? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this is what the proportionalists do with moral theology. And this is what Benedict the Sixteenth contemned with moral mm -hmm. relativism. So you treat you have mm -hmm. the ideal, and you say, "Oh yeah, mm -hmm. we believe in marriage." Mm -hmm. but, you know, you, come on, let's let's be real. Can a guy yeah. really stay with the same woman all his life? Yes. And these people who say no, they give him a break. That's compromise, and I don't think that's what Jesus Christ taught. In, yeah. in what I could tell, brother. Yeah. Well, I can just tell you from experience, Terry. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I have gone, I, I, you know, I was married outside of the church. Yep. Uh, and now, uh, thank God, I am sacramentally married. Awesome. And I can, I can just tell you about the incredible destruction yes. that, uh, you know, when you choose to, um, uh, you know, when a marriage breaks down to the oh. point where you split up, oh. I, I used to say, I wouldn't wish that on my no. worst enemy. Uh, it affects everybody in your in the atmosphere around you, friends, family, especially the children. And when you see these results, you understand that the devil hates families. And like Pope John, Saint Pope John Paul II said, God in His deepest mystery is a family. Amen. He has fatherhood, He has sonship, and He's the essence of family, which is love. You know. Uh, Terry, you make some great points. And uh, moral relativism, again, uh, these ideas, uh, 
you know, uh, there, there's a reason why we stick to sacred tradition and because it, it, it preserves the, the holiness of God. There is nothing new under the sun. We don't have to evolve into anything. Sacred scripture tells us, Terry, yep. there's a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. You know, so you can have an idea that you think is even a good idea. You might say, hey, let's fill these churches up. Let's get more with the times. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to we have to appeal to everybody out there. The world is changing. They have different you know, there's a different idea of what a marriage is now. Well, let me tell you something, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'll, you know. Hey, I like to quote uh, the old Protestant minister, J. Vernon McGee, and oh, yeah. he said, oh, yeah. he said, you you have to be first willing to empty a church before you can fill a church. Repeat that, said, please. That's good advice. You, you have to be willing to empty a church before you can fill a church. In other words, the truth sometimes is offensive. And people who come, if you speak the truth, they may get offended. But guess what? You're going to be surprised because... There will be a thinning out of the herd, but when you light yourself, and that, to quote D.L. Moody, since I was a Protestant so many years, yeah. he says, you know, he says, uh, they said, how do you get so big a crowd? And he said, light yourself on fire. People <laughs> love to love to come see you burn. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about, the truth. When you begin to proclaim the truth, it is... Uh, uh, Jesus said, "You are uh, you are the light of the world. You put that light up on a hill to to let it shine. Yes. And when that light shines, guess what? Christ said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. And that's that's what we have to go on. So we have to take a step in faith and say, you know what? I'm not going to conform to this world, but I'm going to be transformed by God. And this is what our bishops need to display this." type of courage and this type of faith and to their surprise god will be generous and lies and people will be saved terry well brother you remind me of bishop bishop joseph strickland saying we have to become first century christians again amen and what he means by it is what you just said you described a first century christian and i appreciate you saying that and i love those views you got to be willing to empty a church to fill it in other words, it's the truth that sets us free. Yes. The Bible is so full of these statements about with the truth, the truth, not uh, what's your opinion or how do you feel. Yeah. We, we've gone away from a biblical worldview here. Now, my phone is, is just adding. Uh, my people are texting us. Uh, well, yeah, praise God. It's because the truth is what we're preaching, not yes. opinions. Nothing to do yes. with Paul or Terry. Yes, and the truth is a person. Exactly, Jesus Christ. And, <laughs> Amen. And that's what Bishop Strickland told me this week. We need to be praying for our bishops. They're in San Diego. I was down there uh, Monday, and their focus is on unity. How do we keep the unity? Well, the church has been polarized because we forgot about the truth. Yeah, we forgot that our unity is in Jesus Christ, yes. not some opinion of a bishop over here, this bishop condemning this bishop. No, no, no. Let's go back to a world Catholic view of a biblical yes. worldview. And that's what Bishop Strickland is suggesting they do. Now, I want to also remind you this Friday, tomorrow, we have our dinner for our benefactors. And you're welcome to come. Call the 877-526-2151 number or go on to VMPR to register so I can bring enough food for you. Also, we have the men's conference coming up on Saturday, the 18th of June. Jesse will not be there, but his brother Johnny will fill in with all the same talks that Jesse wanted to give because Jesse gave the talks to his brother Johnny. 
And I want to say that if you still want to come, uh, you can actually just come to the conference on Saturday morning and say, do you have a room, a seat for me? And I'll be there to say, I'll intercede and say, we'll make room for you. Yeah, Terry, just a comment on uh, Johnny. Uh, uh, For those of you who don't know Johnny Romero, he's... uh, He's every bit as dynamic exactly. as Jess Romero, yep, yep. and uh, they used to both be uh, <clears throat> kickboxers, and right. it was funny. Uh, Johnny, I think, was the super middleweight champ, and Jesse was the middleweight champ, yep. and both both of them were dangerous, <laughs> and they and, and they've taken that philosophy yep. and that and that attitude, and they've applied it to their um, their passion for Christ and the proclaiming of the truth of the gospel. So yeah, uh, don't at all be discouraged that Johnny's going to be giving the talk because oh, yeah. he's he's dynamite. Oh yeah, you can't say enough. I've, uh, I I had Johnny live with me for six months at one time, and I'll tell you, oh. he's the real deal, folks. You're going to mm-hmm. enjoy this conference. I'll be there. Uh, uh, we'll also have uh, Ruben Nava there. So just come on Saturday the 18th. We'd love to have you at our men's conference. And also, I just want to re- refresh everybody that here at Virgin Most Powerful, we're not in management, we're in sales. So yes. when we are teaching the faith, it's not what our personal beliefs are. It's what the church has taught for the millennial. We want to know what Christ's mind is on every aspect of our life. And right now, there's people in the church that have compromised, and we see it every day. And we as lay people are doing the church a favor by saying, hey, wait a minute. Can we go back to what our, our Savior taught on this teaching, whether it's marriage? Uh, you know, what, is the, what does the Bible teach that a marriage is between a man and a woman? That's what our catechism says. So let's not compromise to try and bring more people in because we've, we've done enough of that and we've realized so many people have left the church not because of the truth but because we're not living that truth. And it's not attracting people to compromise. What attracts people is people who are in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Paul Clay. Hey, brother, uh, final thoughts before I ask you the big question. Okay. Final thoughts are this. We need to be Am Yahweh, the people of God. Amen. And and, and work on being that remnant, that faithful remnant. You got it, partner. And I'm going to ask Jesse if he was here, what state should we be living in, Paul Clay? Integrates, my friend. And again, I want everybody to know, first Saturdays here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, we try to implement Our Lady's message. What did Our Lady say? She said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Well, come visit with us tonight and pray for the Pope, yes. for the bishops, for our priests, every Thursday yes. from 8, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. We want to pray hard for our leaders in our church. They need it. Yes, stand in the gap. They got it. I want to thank everybody again, and may God richly bless you and your family. Stay tuned for our next show with the good doctor is in.